Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, BPW number 9, that's Spice Panimi, Shir number 9 for women. We're going to talk about the chapter on marriage secrets by Leah Richheimer, chapter 4, which is a very, very vital chapter and has tremendous concepts in here that are extremely important. And it's called The Secrets, Secret to Happiness. Now she starts out um, giving an anecdote, but basically the concept really is is that even in very good marriages with healthy people, good people, you have, and this happens very often, especially in our generation, and we're not even aware of it, of how the husband is sitting in one corner, believing he's trying the best he possibly could to make his wife happy and to be the best in his mishpacha and, and does, tries the hard, as hard as he can and he has a sinking feeling inside, always feeling that she's never satisfied, making demands, endless list of things that he wants, never grateful for what he does, and um, and oblivious to the efforts that he puts in and um, her not noticing when he really tries very hard to, to be the best husband he could possibly be, and it makes him feel like a failure. That's on one side of it. And then you have on the other side the wife at the same exact time, is thinking the same thing, but in the opposite direction. Like, my husband's so busy doing other things, puts no effort into the one thing that's most important, which is to take care of me. And my husband has no interest in, in, my, in, in what I need and what I want. And I see other husbands are much nicer to their wives. Uh, and my husband ignores everything I, you know, and, 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 and why do I have to sit alone and be craving for my husband to uh, meet my needs? And I'm afraid to bring the topic up because he always gets angry and defensive and so on and so forth. So these sentiments very often are sitting simultaneously, the husband thinking that in, on the wife and the wife on the husband, and they're diam- diametrically opposed to each other. And this happens, again, not when you really have a major, major problem. You're not talking about where, let's say, one is really indeed uh, doing nothing and irresponsible. They're both responsible people, and they're both doing the best they can to maintain their family and their mishpacha and their marriage. And nevertheless, they feel that way uh, towards each other. And it's very sad, but the truth is, is when we analyze it and look through it and see where we, what we can do to correct this, uh, it could really transform a marriage when we understand why this is happening and what's happening here. And le- needless to say, as I as I say often, is that it's a two-way street. So everything I'm talking here, obviously, is emphasized on both sides, but we're talking to the women here right now, and that's what we're addressing. The truth is, is that, like um, Rabbi Stroll Miller uh says, and he has a book called In Search of Jewish Women that he paraphrases here. I didn't read that one. But um, it says there that a husband desires desperately for his wife to be happy. And that is very, very true. He may not verbalize it, and he may not admit it in an open way, because it makes him very vulnerable to say that, but that's what he truly, really wants. Very often, you have good husbands that really try very, very hard to make their wives happy. And they put in the effort, but they seemingly always are not successful and they miss their mark and they don't understand what's happening. 
And one of the main nekudais over here to understand, to correct this problem, both on the men's side and the women's side, is to recognize what we mean by what needs are versus what, what we call these days wants. There's a big difference between the two. Needs are etzem, real, intrinsic needs. That, that is deeply embedded in every wife that needs from her husband and husband, deeply embedded what he needs from his wife. And it's basically pretty much universal. I think most human beings share similar needs in that aspect to it. It may vary in certain aspects, but it's more or less pretty much the same. Now, she doesn't talk about the, the, the needs in this chapter that much, but the key really is, is the basic, what the Torah says, She'era, Ksusa Vainasa, those three things that a husband is obligated to give to his wife, those are the three basic, most important needs that the Torah is describing, which is completely accurate. Share means food or physical support, financial support, physical support. The Ramban brings down that when it says She'era, which is physical support, he includes in that emotional support, is part of that she'era. Ksusa means clothing, you know, and protection. It means basically a home, a roof over the head and, and that. And Aina is, of course, the physical intimacy, sexual intimacy, and also the oh, connected with with, um, with uh, she'era, according to Ramban, the emotional connection. Those are real needs. And then there's things that are wants. Wants are more superimposed on top of that. And one of the main problems that she's saying here, why husbands and wives are so disillusioned with each other is because they have, number one, very unrealistic expectations of one another. And number two is, is they don't exactly understand what a need is versus what a want is. Explains you could have a wife, for example, that got just a new kitchen or a new dining room set or a necklace she always wanted and still feels a sense of lack why does she feel that sense of lack? Is because she feels there's a need to be listened, let's say, to her husband that makes her feel content even beyond any kitchen or any dining room set or any necklace could give her. And um, she writes here that many women bear grudges against their husbands because he doesn't adequately, adequately meet their needs. But we're very confused, though she says, about what our wants are versus what our needs are, and we mix them all together so that we make very unrealistic demands on our husband, and then we get upset when he can't deliver. Now, the good model is, is all this could be reversible. And the question is, that everyone has to ask themselves, she says here, is how can we expect our husbands to satisfy our needs when we don't even know what they are in the first place? Now, we may think we know what our needs are, but really, a lot of them are what is called wants. Now, the uncomfortable truth, she says, about what wants are is that at the moment, it sounds very reasonable and appropriate to ask for those things. But taken on a whole, if you look at if it's a whole bunch of them, then it's, it becomes extremely unrealistic. So I'm just going to read, quote, this part I'm going to quote. She writes, on any given day, a woman may ask her husband for several of the following things to do for her, to change a light bulb, to carry his used dishes to the sink, to get home early, to stop spending time on the computer, to not put her down in front of guests. By the way, that, that 
makes sense. So, you know, to be more patient with the children, to compliment her more often, to learn more Tyra, to stop taking his mother's opinion over hers, to remember to pay the bills on time, to bring her flowers, to be more ambitious at work, to spend more time with her, to help with the family household chores, to buy her gifts more often, to be more attentive to her emotional needs. And of course, he has to speak gently to her all the time. Now, taken in and of itself, every request over here sounds reasonable. And in any Shalom Bayashir, technically, you're going to say, yeah, this is the way you're supposed to act. But when you take the whole thing as a whole, it's overwhelming. No human being in the planet could possibly satisfy all these needs of high expectation all the time. It's just not Shaykh. And then add to that the fact that even if, let's say, the husband fills all those things on these lists, would be, ha- be happy then? Most likely not. Most likely that list would increase. There would be no end to that list. And you're creating a situation where he's doomed for failure no matter what happens, and there'll be a constant sense of disappointment. This happens a lot, by the way, in busy, busy families, where you can either her have a lot to do, and in realistic way, that husband and wife, they could put in both of them 100% into their marriage, into their home, into their into their children, and then there'll be matzavim, that the place will still be flying, and things will not be done. We're human beings. There's, there's no way to have that perfect picture thing in the head of what's supposed to be done. And that's part of the issue here. She has this theory here, which seems to make sense, that any woman, any wife can be extraordinarily happy by having her top three or four needs met. And if she has those basic core needs met, then everything will fall into place. If they're not met, then is that's when she demands these endless lists of things from her husband because basically that whole list is trying to satisfy an empty need she feels inside that's not being met. So she comes up with this list, external list of what needs to be done. So on the wife's side, she needs to let her husband take care of meeting her needs. And again, she, he has to be told what her real needs are versus what these ones are, and not mishmush the two together. And um, so, for example, uh, some some wives may say, let's say someone has money, and the husband does give gifts very, very often, but she feels a lack and an emptiness, and he needs she needs to tell her, I love you, and I appreciate these gifts, but that's not what I really need from you. I need your time. I need your listening ear. That's a true need. He's mixing up the want with the need, and so on and so forth. Very ha- very often, this is what happens when the real needs are not met. So then these whole long laundry lists of, of wants come into the picture, and it's impossible to fill them all. Another thing is there could be situations, for example, where sometimes the husband, you need the husband to help and clean the house and help the clean the house, and it's important. And he does it for you. And that may be an actual real need. But then there is a sort of a balance between the two where if let's say he has 15 minutes and he could do that to help you clean the house and clean the kitchen and do whatever he needs in those 15, 20, 30 minutes he has free before he has to, let's say, go to a business appointment or or to, to, to shul or whatever it is. 
But then there is the other thing of what you really need from him is that listening ear and conversation. So then there's a balance between two, you, the two. Sometimes you may tell him, you know, you, you know, I'll do the cleaning up, but sit down with me for 20 minutes and let's, let's talk. So that's really what we're talking about here. Now she has these exercises here to try to sort out what your true needs are. She feels basically is that when you go through what your real needs are and identify it and ask your husband to help you help fill that, then those other extraneous ones go off on the sideline and it doesn't bother you anymore. And there's no more laundry list. And he does the same thing on his end. And it gets a lot easier. And a lot of this unrealistic expectations go away. So she writes that you should write down a whole list for yourself. Don't show it to anybody. But you could write a whole list of what, your, uh, what, your, what you wish your husband would do, for example. So you can make a long, long list. You know, um, help me uh, put the toys together with the kids. Help me the kids go to sleep. Give me more attention. Be more time on everything. Buy me a new shaitel. Keep the closets organized. Pick up his own laundry. Give me gifts uh, like when we first met. Go to bed earlier. Make me feel the top priority. Spend more time with the kids. Make make more money. Earn more money. And listen to me with more enthusiasm to control his anger when he's frustrated. Stop comparing me to his sister. And um, eat with his mouth closed and dress better and apologize with more sincerity and think before he speaks and stop taking me for granted and listen to his fa- um, listen to his father's advice more and be closer to his rub and work hard for unshown and bias, etc. And make even a hundred a list of all those, that thing. And these lists uh, usually are not things that you just discovered now. This has been floating around in the head since a person was a child and they had these expectations and these desires. And she she did this exercise with some of her students and they were shocked afterwards to see how long those lists, lists were. And many wives carry this wish list in their heads at all times and when they do, it's the husbands don't even have a chance. There's no way they could uh, fulfill everything on that list at every any given time. It's just simply not doable. Um, then you have that whole list, and then what she says is is that you remove the once from that list. What does that mean? Remove the once from the least list, right? The key really is is to realize what you quote unquote want, but really doesn't fill you. Here's an interesting example she gives, and I want to exp- elaborate on this a little bit. She writes like this, for example. One of them is that I want my husband to buy me Shabbos, every Shabbos flowers for Shabbos because he either never does it, rarely does it, or, or misses often. And he, she, she writes here, I always, as the, so that was one thing on this person's list. And then looked at that, I want my, my husband to buy me flowers every Shabbos, and then she thought to herself and says, I always thought I needed Shabbos flowers, but you know what? That's only because my sister's husband buys them every week. So I don't need to compete with her. What I really need is my husband to walk to walk in the door, and instead of sorting out through the mail, I need him to ask me how many they went, and that's what I need from him. I don't necessarily need the flowers. Now let me explain to you something. If, let's say, the flowers is something that you intrinsically really, really enjoy and need. That when you get them from your husband, you you sparkle every Shabbos. And when you see it on the table, it has a special meaning to you. And and and, and you thrive on that. And, 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 and that gives you a certain connection with your husband. 
and the Shabbos is more beautiful because of it, then leave that on the list. Then that is a need, buying the flowers for me for Shabbos. But 90% of the time, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but very, very often, it's not like that. And many, many women, okay, they're happy that they get flowers, but it's like a sort of even an afterthought, and most of it is because that other one may do it, or that one they do it, or if I have guests and they don't see that my husband brought in flowers, what are they going to think in that type of thing? Then you cut it off the list and put in the real needs that are really important to you on that list. And those real needs are much less in quantity, much greater in the quality of it, and it's doable for the husband to do. Now, this chapter is a little bit vague about what these needs are, and I think she explains, she's going to explain things in the next chapter about it, because tr- some of these wants are also important. There's nothing wrong with once in a while saying, you know, I, w- I would like this, even though it's not really a deep need. So we have to understand the, the pers- healthy perspective of that. Not like you eliminate all your wants. But the idea being, though, which is very, very true, either it's because of the unrealistic expectations that we had since we were young children, or it's just the generation we live in, that simply that we're accustomed to have that long laundry list of demands of wants and needs in our brains. The wives have it on their husbands, and the husbands have it, frankly, on their wives. And, you know, it has to be discussed on both sides of the mechitza here. But the bottom line is, is it's there. And that is just failure, extremely unrealistic. And and there has to be a clear communication of what that is, because sometimes they can be off track. They're actually working very hard and trying to make you happy in ways where, uh, you know, they think you appreciate it or they think that's what you really need. And it's not. And they don't even know that. And you have to explain it to them what you really want. Like in this case where the wife told the husband or after looking at her needs, you know what? I don't need flowers every Shabbos. Instead, what I really need is that 10 minute conversation with you every night or whatever it is. Because if you, if you, the bottom line is, is if there is, if, and we're dealing with good people, so the husband wants to give his wife what she needs, if there's a, if there's a hundred things on a, on a list, it becomes an impossible task. And at some point, he'll just simply lose his motivation. He'll just give up. He'll say, I, I, there's no way I could do all this. But if those needs are narrowed down to some basic things, then your husbands can actually be matzliach in meeting these needs for you. And the flow of love will increase. And when that flow of love does increase, then automatically it'll be easier to him for him to shower more and more um, love and appreciation for you. Now she brings uh, from Yechevet Rigla that says that the basic principle behind all spiritual growth is that the only person you can change is yourself. That is true. And um, when a Jewish woman has a muna and believes in Elmovadoi, that it's Hashem, and that the changes in her marriage and her life comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we're coming here for a tikkun, and when a wife grows on her t- to grow herself spiritually, she becomes a victor, not a victim, and she wins and her marriage wins. Again, I always put a little disclaimer with this. This is all a billion percent true. And I believe in Shalom bias in general, both for men and for women, that 90 plus percent of Shalom bias is one's own self-work. Very, very true. I still have to put in that qualification that there's still another 10% or whatever percent it is where it is healthy and there's nothing wrong with 
expressing true, real needs to your husband and a husband towards their wife. And that's not a selfish thing. And that's not a chesaron and emunah. Yes, enoi milvadai. But you can't use enoi milvadai and emuna as an excuse of not doing what you're mechayiv to do or being realistic of the tools of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to do. It's like expecting enoi milvadai and don't go out to work and money will, will um, come from the sky. Money doesn't grow on trees. With all the muna you, you have in the world, money won't grow on trees, and you have to do that hashtatlis. And the same thing over here. Yes, it is true. Your own self-work and amuna is 90% plus of shalom bias, one's own working on their midais. But part of it is also, like we said many times, of expressing a healthy need in a normal way so that your husband could understand it and give that to you. And that's also healthy. Okay, so we're going to end off this share. We're going to write down the exercises. I'm going to make a copy of it. But basically, her, her thought at the end that she has very important is a lot of those manufactured wants that are in the list of a husband in the husband's head or the wife's head that creates an unrealistic expectation comes from secular world issues. For example, you, you read about what a romantic husband is supposed to be it makes a great movie, but that doesn't mean that's a great husband. A husband doesn't necessarily, a good husband needs to be practical also. Can't be always in the romantic mode. And sometimes also the best thing for you is you you think in your head, because you grew up uh, uh, being Machshev Tyran, you want the biggest Talmud Chachem in the world, which may be unrealistic. And your husband's not the biggest Talmud Chachem in the world. He's the best that he could be. And you learn to be happy with him being the best that he could be. So a lot of these wants come from very unrealistic expectations or things that are covering up what the real need is. Now, when the real need is there, that is what you express to your husband, what you truly, really need and what you truly, really want. General, if you're not clear on it, the idea what the Torah tells you, all the chiyuvim back and forth that the Torah talks about in, in the Torah and in Chazal, that is really what the real needs are. Sheirek susa physical support, roof over the head, attention, listening ear, physical intimacy, all these things are real needs. And a lot of the wants are extraneous and on top of that. And it's very worthwhile to do our best to really not mix up needs and wants in one big package and to narrow it down to a point where it's attainable and it's reasonable and it's something that it's if it's spoken to and communicated very clearly to your husband that he will thrive and he will be so happy to do what you need to do so she writes this try this at home i'll make a copy of it notice when you might be treating your husband like a vending machine stop and consider what you really might need and try to let go of one want and then do a top three ex- need exercise, meaning make a comprehensive list of desires. You can put in 200 if you want. Then remove the wants from the list and then prioritize what your real true needs are and you narrow it down. And when you write three basic ways, and even if you leave some wants in there, so, you know, this is what I would say. She doesn't say it here, but you, you could put in a couple of real high wants in there too, fine. But a reasonable, not 10 million things and in a reasonable way that your husband could accomplish and could do. 
And it's a very, very important uh, Yisait. So again, this chapter doesn't really clarify clearly, doesn't give too many examples, but the concept is very, very powerful and very, very true. Hopefully, I want to do a little more you know, research and, and try to clarify it more. But I think you all understand what I am saying and what I'm talking about. And again, this is one of those shiurim that really needs to be on both sides. Because we all, they, husbands, have unrealistic expectations of what they expect from their wives. And that's also very true. You could want 10 million things. I want the potato cooker like this, and I want the Shabbos table to be set up exactly like that, and I want the, 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 the kids to always look like this and look like that, and the, uh, he has the same issue. There's 10 million wants in there, but what's the real, real need, right? Some husbands may tell their wives, I don't care that the house is messy. I will get a cleaning lady, we'll work it out, let the house be a little messy. I want some more warmth in the house, some more, t- you know, uh, you know, um, caring or, or, or less tense and, 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 and more happy. That's what I want. I don't necessarily need it. You know, whatever. But you have these discussions about these things. Husband to wife, wife to husband. And that makes the Shalom bias a lot better and, and, and really, really could change things when we get that laundry list off our heads, realizing it's unrealistic expectations, realizing a lot of it is doing the comparing game to other quote-unquote, husbands and wives. You eliminate that right away. Like in the muscle of the guy, the, guy the, the, the woman wanting flowers because her sister's husband always does gets it. If that's the motivation, and that's not what you really need, then you take it off. Okay, if it's something you really need, then you keep it on. And similar to that. So basically, you do that. That's part of being Sameach Bechelkei, by the way. Sameer Bechelke means, yes, I'm Sameer Bechelke, but that doesn't mean I don't get, I give up on my real needs. My basic needs, I want to have met, and I have a right to want to have it met, but I'm happy with my chilek of it. I'm not asking like a, for, a, for a, a, a long laundry list of unrealistic things. Hatzlach and bracha.